Good morning, good morning. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. Today is episode 227, and we are going to take a look at the administrative office of the United States courts. So I had not heard of this before, so this is new to me. But before we dive in, as usual, let me give a big shout out to my listeners because we do love to see you guys here. And also do check out our YouTube channel. We are slowly adding more and more videos there, so things are going well. So a big shout out to New York, California, Virginia, Illinois, Oklahoma, Texas, Pennsylvania, Oregon, and Kansas. In terms of countries, the United States, India, Italy and Palestine. Good to see all of you. Okay, so again, we are going to be discussing the administrative office of the United States Courts. So this was formed August 7th, 1939. The jurisdiction of course is the United States Judiciary. Um they are headquartered in Washington DC. In terms of employees, they have give or take about 30,000 employees and that is as of 2020. So quite a few employees, so those are federal employees. So that's a lot of people to be working for the federal government that get amazing uh, federal government benefits in terms of health insurance and things like that. Now their annual budget is a bit excessive. This is ridiculous. Their annual budget as of 2021 is 7.8 billion dollars and that's billion with a B. That's ridiculous. There's so much waste and fraud going on in Washington DC. I mean, I I I don't necessarily care which Republican we get into office. We just need to get someone in there that will drain the swamp. <laughs> just we need someone to really help Washington DC be accountable for the money that it spends because this is getting ridiculous. It seems like we have more and more federal agencies that are spending billions of dollars and that's our dollars, our tax dollars. So in terms of, you know, agency executives, they have a director and then a deputy director and their parent agency is the Judicial Conference of the United States. I think if they have anything else listed in regards to that, they do not. So to dive into this puppy just a little bit more, it says the administrative office of the United States Courts is the administrative agency of the United States federal court system established in 1939. The central support entity for the federal judicial branch, the AO, provides a wide range of administrative, legal, financial, management program, and information technology services to the federal courts. So there's a reason why they're wasting and spending so much money. If you think about administrative costs, administrative costs for you know whether it's a federal agency or state agency or even just a, a company in the private sector administrative costs i would say are one of the biggest things that is just sucking the money out of anything and everything and that would include hr departments that would include include legal departments and just people that are quote unquote uh, quote unquote administrators you know people that want to be administrators to me they're just professional paper pushers because i don't really see any good that they're doing. And I've met administrators over the years. I have you know I haven't yet to meet a good one that I'm actually impressed with what they do. Um so they're just kind of elitist sometimes, so I'm not always a fan of that. But in regards to this puppy here it says it is directly supervised by the Judicial Conference of the United States, the body that sets the national and legislative policy of the federal judiciary and is composed of the chief justice, chief judge of each court of appeals, a district court judge from each regional judicial circuit and the chief judge of the United States Court of International Trade. 
The AO implements and executes judicial conference policies as well as applicable federal statutes and regulations. The office facilitates communications within the judiciary and with Congress, the executive branch and um the uh, and, excuse me on behalf of the public for that. Let me rephrase that. And the public on behalf of the judiciary. Sorry, this is written kind of weird. My apologies. So anyway, um you basically have a bunch of professional paper pushers that are making 7.8 billion dollars off of the people that actually pay the taxes. So, not always a big fan of that, but it says the mission of the administrative office of the United States courts is to provide a variety of support functions to the United States federal judiciary. The the AO prepares and submits the budget for the courts to the judicial judiciary, or sorry, excuse me, judicial conference for approval by Congress. It analyzes legislation from Congress that will affect the court's operations or personnel and it interprets and applies the new laws. It also provides administrative help to members of the courts in the form of clerks, probation and pretrial services officers, court reporters and public defenders. It also works together with the General Services Administration to develop and operate suitable accommodations for federal courts either in federal buildings or in standalone federal courthouses. So basically a lot of waste and fraud because it you know it doesn't take a genius to know how to operate these things like this. Like there are a lot of things that they could easily streamline and save us millions if not billions of dollars. So in terms of the structure of this agency it says the director of the AO uh, serves as secretary of the judicial conference and is appointed along with the deputy director by the chief justice of the United States. The AO includes an office of the general counsel, office of judicial conference executive secretariat, office of public affairs, office of legislative affairs, office of judges programs, office of court administration, office of human resources, office of finance and budget, office of facilities and sec- and security, office of defender services, US probation and pretrial services system, office of information technology, and they have an office of internal services. So there's a lot of waste and fraud going on cuz just think about all these departments that we don't actually need. Um like for example, office of court administration, you know, like and then also they could probably downsize office of human resources. What you need to remember is that with each one, with each one of these offices, they typically have a overpaid administrator in charge of it and then they just kind of hire their goons. So that's why DC is a swamp. Like it's not like a corporation, you know, you know in the private sector, you can hire and fire very easily. But unfortunately, you know, within our federal government, there are way too many positions that are appointed and they are not appointed um to very good people, I would say. So this is why there's so much waste and fraud. It's very much like the EPA and other federal agencies where they are up in the billions of dollars that they are spending, but it's like not a whole lot of good is is getting done. So, needs to say it's not always good when you have people that are just getting appointed all the time as opposed to going through a, a properly vetted system, meaning that they have to be, I would say, questioned or uh investigated or maybe they need to be voted into office because a lot of these positions are just appointed and it's like, okay, well, you know, who do you think um these bureaucrats are going to appoint into these different offices? They're going to appoint their buddies. It's like the good old boy system. You know, it's kind of like you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. That's what's going on with this, and that's why there's waste and fraud. Um, a little bit of history about this puppy here. It says the administrative office of the United States courts was established by an act of Congress on November 6th, in 1939. 
with the establishment of the administrative office also known as AO and the circuit judicial councils congress for the first time provided the judiciary with budgetary and personnel management agencies that were independent of the executive branch of government i'm not so sure how i feel about that um because you still have these goons that are in charge of it so that's kind of a problem for 150 years administrative responsibility for the federal courts shifted from the department of treasury or sorry excuse me from the treasury department to the interior department in 1849 and to the justice department in 1870 so it's kind of like this is just bouncing around that's not a good thing the conference of senior circuit judges established in 1922 was a uh, advisory body by the late 1930s a coalition of judges lawyers academics and justice department officials agreed that the efficient administration of justice as well as the principle of judicial independence required a separate agency with officers appointed by and responsible to a body of judges here's the thing um i am in favor of separating the powers that's great but here's the thing all they really did was separate it create its own federal agency and knows who they got to think about this judges lawyers and academia so and some justice department officials well what makes you think all those people are good you know what i mean like here's the thing you have a a certain group of elitist in our country that are setting up our judicial system it's not for the people or by the people whenever they did this so that's why i don't agree with this and that's why i think there's a lot of problems because you know sometimes judges make mistakes they really do so that's just how it is goes on to say by the early 20th century some judges expressed concern that the justice department's administrative oversight of the courts was ineffective and more importantly posed the threat of interference with the judicial process reform proposals re, excuse me reform proposals range from separate appropriation bills for the courts to the authorization of of senior circuit judges as administrators for all the courts within their respective circuits some circuits established conferences of judges to discuss problems of case management and court administration The Roosevelt administration's judicial reorganization bill of 1937, best known for its provision to enlarge the Supreme Court, because also Roosevelt was trying to pack the court, not a very good thing to do. He was kind of a crook. Um, included uh, make uh, recommendations for reassignment of judges and improved case management. Many district court judges resisted this centralization of authority over individual courts that had operated with so much autonomy for a century and a half. but there was widespread support for some reform that would facilitate judicial uh, business and eliminate the justice department's role in the daily operations of the federal courts after the defeat of roosevelt's court packing um chief justice charles hughes responded to suggestions for less sweeping administrative changes he appointed members of the conference of senior circuit judges to work with representatives of the american bar association and justice department officials to draft legislation that would improve the efficiency of the courts at the same time that it respected the decentralization character of the federal judicial system the committee's proposed administrative office of the united states courts would collect information on the caseload of the courts prepare the annual budget request for the courts and disperse funds appropriated to the judiciary and offer administrative assistance to the courts The act authorized the Supreme Court to select the director of the administrative office, but at uh, but at the insistence of Chief Justice Hughes, 
The office was to operate under the supervision of the Conference of Senior Circuit Judges rather than the court. The committee proposal uh, found broad support in both the Senate and House of Representatives, which considered several versions before passage in August 1939. The act established circuit judicial councils through which the courts of appeal judges would review the caseload reports of the administrative office and instruct uh, district judges on what was necessary to expedite the court's business. It also mandated annual circuit conferences at which circuit and let's see here circuit and district judges would meet with members of the bar to discuss judicial administration. Here's the thing, they're not getting any information from the American people. So again, they're only looking to themselves to answer the problems of everybody and that's not right. So you have the court system that isn't really for the people by the people. That's the problem. Like do you really want lawyers and judges to be in charge of everything in our country? Like that that's what this reminds me of. Now, most lawyers and judges are good people. I say that cautiously because sometimes lawyers get a bad rap, but here's the thing, when you have the few in charge of the many, that's not a good thing. And that's what's going on here. So, they do have quite a few past directors of the administrative office. Um so It goes back to 1939 and you know the years they it kind of changes here a little bit but like for example there was Henry Chandler, Warren Olney, I think that's how you pronounce his name, the third, Ernest uh, Freising, Roland Kirks, um William Foley, uh Leonidas Ralph Meckham, while wow, his parents really wanted to give him a different name, uh James Duff, Thomas Hogan, John Bates and James Duff again. So it's one of those things I'm not a fan of the good old boy system because it kind of reminds me of a car dealership where, you know, the, the salesmen, you know, they will pull ranks and they will cover for each other, but they will also have backbiting and try and steal from other people's car deals. That's what it kind of reminds me of, but still, like whenever you work at a car dealership, which I have years ago, I mean, it was its own culture. It was its own nucleus and it was bizarre. It was not professional. um it was not good-natured and i kind of feel like this is how this is like it is its own culture and the reason why it is its own culture is because you have an entire public sector industry that is being dominated by lawyers i don't agree with that you know i've tried to date lawyers they are awful <laughs> they are awful and you know i've gone out with some really good-looking men over the years and there are some really good-looking men that are lawyers But man, um I just was not impressed with their morals and values because they don't really have morals and values. They don't really have integrity because it's been my experience that lawyers can be bought and sold depending on the opinion and depending on the amount of money. I mean, just think about lawyers that willingly defend, you know, I'm not talking about public defenders, but lawyers, you know, that that can't wait to defend someone who's really evil. just because either a it, it really gets their name in the paper or they can make a lot of money off of someone like that. So I mean, it you know, if they're trying to seek legal advice from the American Bar Association, um I think that's wrong. They need to go to God's holy word. You know, because that is the final authority on this planet. Whether you like it or not, God's holy word is final authority. So You know, maybe our judges should pray about this as opposed to just looking to each other or looking to the American Bar Association because I guarantee you lawyers and judges don't have all the answers. I mean, I mean, I we do have 
a good judicial system, especially when compared to other countries, but it can be far better. Like, you know, for example, and I'll close with this, you know, during the Ronald Reagan years, um they implemented a war on drugs kind of regime and You know, as I said in times past, I was a little girl when all that was going on. And when I became a teenager, I very quickly realized that, you know, that war on drugs is just overly punishing people. That's putting people that are non-violent offenders into prison with people that are violent uh, they are violent offenders, and it's just not a good thing to do. So our court system and our legal system has made many mistakes over the years. So, needless to say, We need to do a better job of reining in corruption before it actually takes place because you know this whole war on drugs I've said this before that I remember the whole dare system or the dare program or whatever being implemented and being taught to kids in grade school and so they they would have a police officer come talk to our to our class in grade school and it was a female cop and she was a witch we hated her she was horrible she was evil she was mean she hated children Oh my gosh, she acted like we were on drugs and it's like you got to be kidding me. We're like in third or fourth grade. You know, it's just like you got you know, it's just ridiculous. Like this woman's viewpoint of drugs was just so obsessive and we're just looking at her like like we didn't even really understand what drugs were because we were so young. It's like you know, the only drugs I would take would be like what my parents gave me like when I have a sore throat, which would be like Dimetap or or Tylenol or something like that. I'm just like Well, um I don't really know what you're talking about, lady. And then it's like when we became teenagers, oh my gosh, they were obsessed, obsessed with drugs, you know, in the Dare program. And get this, the Dare program and the war on drugs did not help at all. It did not help at all. All it did was lock up and throw away the key on so many innocent people, even people that committed, you know, drug felonies. You know, they they were given harsher sentences than people that raped or murdered somebody. That is ridiculous. So here's the thing. You you have a bunch of lawyers and judges. They're trying to implement different types of legislation in our country, but what is their motive? You know what I mean? So this is why we are a democracy, why we are a republic and why we have freedom and why we have capitalism. Because if you don't have those things, then people like these elitists that go to these law schools and you all and are very much fancy in their degrees then you've got all these fancy people making up all the rules and then trying to implement them on everybody else that's not right that's not freedom and that's not that's not fair and i don't you know cry you know oh it's not fair that's not you know how i live my life i'm just saying that in terms of fairness in terms of rules laws and regulations there are so many things that are passed and implemented um by judges and lawyers and senators and congress that I'm just like this is a big problem. So like for example, I I I am not really a big fan of lawyers running for public office. I'm not a big fan of that because they tend to become career politicians and I do know there are some really good ones out there. Like for example, Matt Gates from uh I think he's from Florida. I think he's from what what district is he from? I think it's Pensacola if I'm not mistaken. He's a lawyer. He's really good. He's a Republican. He says it like it is. My only concern is that he's a lawyer and he might try and make um Washington DC his political career. And I don't agree with that because you know him and other lawyers they just like to argue. That's just their nature. And you know what? We don't need more arguing. We need things to get done. We we need things to move forward. And so that's one reason why I'm not a big fan of lawyers serving in office. 
very much at all. I'm not against them completely, but it just seems to me like Washington Washington DC is just infiltrated with so many lawyers, whether they're Democrat or Republican, whether they're lobbyists or not, and it's just a revolving door basically of people that are from the American Bar Association or you know ha- have worked in some kind of legal entity one way or another and I don't think that's very good for our country. I think it is a huge mistake because I think we need I think we need more diversity in terms of people that run for office. And I'm not talking about skin color. Skin color has nothing to do with this. I'm talking about people that work, you know, that come from different types of work. Whether it's a plumber, an electrician, a doctor, lawyer, engineer, you know, whatever the case may be, like an entrepreneur, a small mom and pop shop, like I wish more uh, ordinary people would run for office because that's how it used to be. I kind of feel like America has just pulled back from Washington DC and it's just said, "Oh, we'll just kind of let it run itself." And it's like, "No. We the people are the government. We the people, like Washington DC reports to us. We don't report to them." But the more America backs off from its responsibility of being informed and caring about what goes on in, in our country, guess what? The more you're going to have these lawyers and judges be in charge of more and more things in your country, and it's like, "Okay, Do you want things to be like how things were um in uh, Great Britain and the United Kingdom like under King Henry VIII when basically he just decided okay which goons are going to be in charge of which property and and who's going to be in charge of which county or which area you know what I mean like that's kind of what happened in Britain before they had a parliament and before you know they they kind of semi dethroned their monarchy see that's why you have to be careful whoever you put in charge of your courts and also what you allow them to do and sometimes congress makes mistakes with this i wish congress would be more strict about things and here's the thing matt gates is really good about that i just hope and pray he stays that way cuz what tends to end up happening what i've seen times past is lawyers um get elected to public office they go to washington dc whether democrat or republican kind of doesn't matter and they get corrupted and and they don't stick to what's true because that they make Washington DC their career. It's like this is why we need term limits. Term limits are very important because it gives other people the opportunity to get in there and do good as opposed to just keeping the same old people elected and you got the same old guard there, you know, and they don't want to give up power by any means whether Democrat or Republican. And so I mention this because this is why you have agencies like this one that have like a 7.8 billion dollar budget. And when we're talking about a budget, this is money that they are just automatically given. They're not told no. And here's the thing, Congress should tell them no because Congress has the power of the purse. But here's the thing, there's so many federal agencies they they say, "Oh, you need us. You need us to operate. You need us in order for the country to function." No, we don't. No, we don't. We do not need a federal agency that operates on almost 8 billion dollars a year and that's just one federal agency that that is ridiculous it should not cost that much to run our court system it just shouldn't things are becoming more and more digital these days so you think it would be cheaper not more expensive you think things would be more streamlined but here's the thing with with our federal government they love to waste our money that's just kind of their hobby and what they like to do and so they just view our tax dollars as basically their private little slush fund. So you have to remember like this is a almost 8 billion dollar annual budget. Monies are given uh, monies are given almost every year. Well, actually it is every year because it's annual. 
but they only have a little over or a little less than 30,000 employees. So you let's say let's just say it's 30,000. You have 30,000 employees that are spending almost 8 billion dollars every year. Those are some very expensive employees. Very expensive. And that's just one federal agency. That's ridiculous. You know, it kind of reminds me of the Department of Defense. You know, I just wonder if this agency is ever audited because if they're anything like the DOD, it's like they get offended if you want them to audit themselves or you want them to get audited. They get offended because they're like, "Who are you to question us? You know, we're the DOD or whatever." It's like audits are to me audits are non-negotiable. And here's the thing, the American people can request an audit at any time of our federal government. We have every right to do that. And here's the thing, these different federal agencies, they should be doing audits every year. They need to have an internal and an external audit every year. No questions. No questions asked, just do the audit. Meaning no excuses, you have to do the audit. and we want the results and those results all of it needs to be, to be released to the american public we need that information cuz just with this one agency we're talking almost 8 billion dollars every year at least that we know of i'll put it that way that we know of so you know it's one of those things that if 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 audits are not being done on these agencies then how do we really know what's going on you know what i mean like this is a, you're dealing with a lot of money You're dealing with very important work and you're dealing with quite a few employees, about 30,000 employees. So we definitely need to streamline this, make it way cheaper. I mean, they shouldn't be costing more than like, I don't know, 500 million a year. I mean, even that is a lot. I mean, that we're talking millions of dollars here, folks, millions. And it's ridiculous. Almost 8 billion dollars every year goes to this agency. Gee, who loves money? Judges and lawyers. The federal government, these federal agencies. This is why we have an issue with appointing so many people to these positions when they need to be elected and there needs to be accountability. What I find very interesting is that a lot of these agencies, like the more people they have appointed to positions, the the angrier they get whenever they are supposed to be audited. because they don't be, they don't want to be held accountable for what they do and what they don't do and they don't want to be held accountable for the money that they spend that is not even theirs that's the problem so needs to say this agency they need to be dethroned big time see cuz i i i guarantee you when someone or if someone dethrones them federally <coughs> excuse me on a budget level i guarantee you they will squeal like pigs on this And they'll say, "Oh, you need us. You need us. You know, you know, we we help with the court system." Guess what? This agency wasn't around for the longest time in this country. We had a court system long before this agency came about. And before this agency came about, 8 billion dollars was not being spent every year on stuff like this. This is ridiculous, folks. An agency like this, I I think they need to go away. I I think it I think they need to consolidate. This is ridiculous. I mean do we need courts? Yes, but we don't need a big old fat tick federal agency to be in charge of our courts. I don't think that's a really smart thing to do. I mean it's costing us 8 billion dollars. Just think how much good can be done with 8 billion dollars not going to this agency. We could help the mentally ill, the homeless, the elderly. 
you know, we could help the chronically ill. I mean, just think about all that we could do, and then we could also help our veterans get the care that they need. So here's the thing. It seems to me like every time they create a federal agency, it's just more money going down a rat hole. And then there's no accountability. Like, here's the thing. Until I found this online, because I was looking at all these different federal agencies within the federal government, because this does affect workers' rights, court systems very much affect workers' rights, especially $8 billion dollars worth. And this is every year. See, I did not know about this office until I started looking at every federal agency within our federal government. I'm like, what in the world is this thing? Never heard of it. I think it's ridiculous. But here's the thing. You know, it will be very hard to dethrone these people. But with God's help, you know, you know, we can definitely streamline this and make sure they're not spending $8 billion dollars a year. Because here's the thing. Judges and lawyers, they love money. They love money. Just take a look at, at the divorce court system, basically. And like whenever rich people get divorced. Oh, man, the court system loves those court cases. And they love to drag them out. Lawyers love to drag out court cases because they can make more money that way per hour, per day, per week, per month, per year. They don't want an easy settlement. You know, they don't want to be accommodating. That's the problem. There's a lot of greed In these agencies, it's like what I've said in times past. You know, greed is not just in Wall Street. It's in so many other places, and it's even worse. It's way worse in other places because agencies like this are not regulated like, you know, they're not regulated like Wall Street. They're not regulated by the federal government. They've kind of been given a free pass, just like the EPA. They can just spend and spend and spend, and there's no accountability. It's like, okay, um... You know, isn't this kind of contributing to inflation? Well, very much yes. Very much so. I would say yes, that is true. Because just think about it. We have one agency that's $8 billion dollars a year spending our money. And it's like, just think about how many, how many people have been wrongfully convicted and they're sitting in prison. And then, you know, what really shocks me with that is that the court system will know that someone has been wrongfully convicted, but they refuse to release them. Or they take forever to release them. I'm like, the moment someone is innocent, they need to be released immediately. Immediately. But our court system won't do it. I think one of the biggest problems is the whole war on drugs thing. That mentality, that stupid mentality has permeated and just spread all across our court system. And I've seen it happen here in Oklahoma. It's horrible. I mean, we've come a long way. But there's still more good to do. And so we can always push forward and we can always do better and be better. And I think that is very important to do so. But I will go ahead and end this podcast. But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye-bye.
the small and fragile sphere Hang on every word, yet no one hears us speak So it's only left to ask It's changed to quite a task From the smallest steps, waves transform the earth Don't let this world go down without us 